Hey, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I am Tyler Friel and riding in the mobile podcast studio with Dr. Frank Schultz. Nice. How's it going, everybody? Back once again. Now, did we ever explain like how you started being called doctor? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, probably not. <laughs> There's only a couple of people that call me doctor. <laughs> yeah. So... So, I don't even know. It was at, down at the lodge at some point in time. Josh, I think, was the one that started calling me doctor. Well, didn't you, weren't you, you guys were out with a client hunting or something, well, and he called you on the radio and said, Dr. Schultz? Well, I or? was on the, we were cleaning fish or something at the end of the day, and he called me doctor, and one of the clients happened to be a doctor, and he's like, oh, you're a doctor? I'm a doctor. <laughs> Doctor? Doctor. Doctor? <laughs> and then I started laughing. I was like, no, I'm not really a doctor. They just call me the doctor. Yeah, anyway, we are running back from a trip, putting out uh, putting out some bear baits way out in the middle of nowhere. For I, real. I For think, real way out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Pretty good drive in the truck, and then I think round trip was 190 miles in the boat. Long long boat ride. Long boat ride. Two two long boat rides. But at least on the way back it was broken up. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was a little chilly yesterday riding up and going a lot slower. Well it wasn't yeah, the sun today was nice. We were going with the wind and the sun is out and yesterday we were going against the wind and it was cloudy. Yeah. So <laughs> we were bundled up. I had my spacesuit on. You had yeah. your insulated bibs and yeah, and the spacesuit jacket, and then Grundon's jacket on top of that to get the wind cut down. But, I mean, and I was still cold yeah. by the time we ended up, you know, getting up there. Yeah, you don't think it doesn't even have to be that cold, but when you're just sitting in the boat, well, yeah, too, and it can be, you know, you're standing in the parking lot getting ready to leave in a t-shirt. And then you get down and you get on the on the water and you're sitting there not moving, wind blowing on you, and the water is really cold. Yeah, and you get cold quick, no doubt about it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'd been actually, my dad and I have been talking about doing this trip for seven or eight years now and finally got it done. And uh, as far as the bait stuff goes, I think it's going to be pretty killer. And it's far enough that we're planning on coming back in a week or so just to spend three or four three or four days hunting. I think they'll probably all have bears on them by that time and could be pretty off the hook from stories I've heard from the few other guys that have have made the journey. Judging by the sign, yeah, in- where we decide, you know, you, just, you don't typically just get off your boat or get out of your vehicle and walk into the woods and see bear tracks and see bear sign everywhere like that yeah i mean that was probably the most bear sign i've seen anywhere i was putting a new bait it's the only place in the aside from a kodiak and a fognac that i've seen bear trails where it's individual bear tracks in the moss you know where they've used these trails for so long that they walk in the same tracks I've never seen that anywhere in the interior before. Yeah, me either. It's it's pretty impressive. So we'll just have to have to wait and wonder and see what's see what goes up. But I have a feeling we get up there and we're gonna be 
running bears off the bait and trying to get set up before they come back. That hopefully that's the case. I'm I'm looking forward to. I've never I've never killed anything with a bow. I've never really been much of a bow hunter, but in the last month and a half, I've started shooting a recurve bow and shooting pretty dang good for for just starting. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly confident in my you know my my ability within a month and a half of getting going to be able to put a kill shot on a bear first first shot. Um, and Temple said, "Oh, you know, give it give it a year. By this fall, you'll be able to go out and get a moose." And I was like, "By this spring, I'll be <laughs> yeah. kill, killing a bear." <laughs> yeah, and I think you will too. I hope so. It should be it should be cool. Um, yeah, I, every day I shoot a couple of times most days and late as of lately, at first it was just trying to get everything dialed in to where I'm kind of consistent in where I'm where I'm hitting and now I've been really focused on my my first shot, my cold shot, you know, when I come outside hoping that um that shot is perfect every time. Yeah just because that you know typically that's going to be the that's the the, one that matters the the most important shot yeah but yeah yeah i'm I'm really happy to see you do that and i think it'll be you might be hooked who knows yeah right (laughs) it's like i i think right now already i'm pretty hooked on it yeah frank sending me pictures oh shooting shooting's going well today or yeah, this sure. and that. Sending pictures of my my grouping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think I think up here will be a perfect opportunity too. And that that's one nice thing about bear baiting is you is if everything goes like it should, you're typically have a fairly close shot, and you can you have the opportunity to wait for the shot you want. Right. Yeah. I've heard so many people say. You know, bear baiting, bows, be it bow or rifle or whatever, you know, it's perfect to get kids into hunting, you know, because it's kind of like taking a kid. You don't want to take a kid out somewhere fishing for the first time where it's going to be a pain to catch a fish. You don't want them turned off on it. You want them turned on. Yeah. So you take them to a stock pond or something like that where they can just rip lips. Yeah. Really have a good time. Bear hunting, it seems to be like everybody says the same thing and. Yeah, I that's it's real cool. Should yeah. be a really good opportunity for yeah. sure. I'm, yeah, I'm, it's a it's good and you know not only the you know the shot opportunity and once you you know it can like I think we 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 mentioned several times it's a lot of the work goes into finding a spot and getting it once the bear you know once the bears are coming in there that's you know kind of the end game. That's a small piece of the pie, so not to say right. it's be construed as easy all the time, but um, well, no, we spent yeah. a lot of time yesterday looking looking at over maps and stuff like that, and figuring out where exactly the best uh, spot to put this yeah. put this stuff and set it up. And we spent a lot of time looking at different spots, trying to you know and decide. Well, this one's it could be better over here or over there than it would be if we put it right here and. I guess you know with getting out that far, you really the sky's the limit because you've got so much option. Yeah, you don't have to worry about well, you know, two miles over there is there some other guy's bait or something like that. You're just like, yeah, well, we can do this anywhere we want to. Yeah, 
yeah it should be really good but uh we also of course brought our fishing poles oh boy did we ever oh man my yeah. dra- my drag gotta work out <laughs> <laughs> gonna have to have to get the oil can out for your reel when we get home man i yeah i think i said it yesterday probably said it five times today too that I've been just going through my head thinking about all the different freshwater fishing that I've done in my life and trying to think of a time that I actually caught so many fish and so many big fish. And then on top of that, I've come, the conclusion is, is that I caught the biggest freshwater fish that I've ever caught. Yeah. Um, on top of probably the most in the shortest period of time but not probably definitely yeah it was uh after we got the finished putting the baits up we ran to a to a spot we figured would have some pike in it and it did and uh well we got there i don't know probably 10 30 yeah it was probably about 10 30 yeah kind of tie up there and start throwing stuff out and it uh it was, it was odd, I think, that maybe just the boats being there for a minute, it took a little bit of time to settle down because at first there was, I don't know, I threw multiple casts and maybe had one pass at it, but yeah. no, nothing. And then Or that, was it was it me or well, you that was that, real, like well, was, up by the boat and that was, pike was chasing? It was before yeah. you were even rigged up, yeah, and I had made a bunch of casts and nothing. And then oh, I had one followed it right up, right next to the boat, and it was a big pike. It was, you know... 36 38 inches kind of size pike and i didn't get him but i was just like oh boy yep they're here got the blood no problem they're they're gonna be on but after that it was you cast it i think hooked up i cast it hooked up we were both hooked up at the same time and a lot of times a lot of times we were both hooked up at the same time yeah and it was for a long time there right in the beginning Every single time I cast it out, I caught a fish. Yeah, and kind of right there when we were getting started, I remember you were pulling in one, and I was kind of standing there. I don't know if I had your phones or taken for pictures. I He handed me his phone, and I just pulled my rod, just dropped the spoon off the back of the boat, oh, yeah, just holding yeah. it there, and wham! Yeah. <laughs> and I, I caught several, like five or six or seven of them it was because i grabbed that thing to weigh it and you're and i set my rod down and the lure went over the side of the boat and you're like i would not do that leave your rod laying there i just had one grab onto my spoon right there on the side of the boat he'll rip the rod right over the side sure enough yeah yeah there was quite you know a good number of my caught just when i had the spoon hanging off the back of the boat yeah, it seems crazy. They'll follow it up and not hit it, and then you just leave it dangling there, and they'll turn right around and grab onto it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we were fishing, and this time of year, well, I guess any time of year, all the spots I've fished, the mouths where these creeks dump into a bigger river, is those pike just stack up in there big time. And I have no idea how many fish there were in there. There was a lot. I... I couldn't even put any kind of number on it, but you didn't even have to randomly cast around to a bunch of different spots. You could cast right to the exact same spot, time after time after time after time, 
and catch one fish after another after another after another yeah and that that one pike you're well because you caught last night you caught two really big pike what do we i marked them on my rod and then after we got back to where we were camping uh your dad had the tape measure and i went down to the boat and measured my rod and one of them was 39 and a half and the other one was 43 inches and the 39 and a half weighed 15 pounds and the 43 weighed 17 pounds yeah so pretty pretty good fish i was pretty pumped up about it yeah and uh well that reminds me that one today i I still haven't measured my rod yeah yeah you laid that one on your rod as well because the i think it's a it's an eight foot rod and he was he was from the base of the rod up to the where it comes apart i mean surely he i don't he wasn't 48 but i'm interested to see yeah for sure it was a good one what was real cool is once the once we started getting into she fish yeah was yeah on accidental let the lure sink and realize that you're like oh yeah that's right yeah or i had let it because i I was past i remember if you just let it sink the she fish will be on the bottom underneath the pike yeah i was I had hooked, had a big one hooked, and you know, reeling and reeling. I was like, "Oh man, that's a she fish." Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so then, you know, after that, I'm remembering the other times I've been catching she fish in different spots, and it seems like they like to hold out, kind of in the channel, down low. So what we do is, you know, throw it out there and just let it sink down to the bottom or close to it and then just like a low slow retrieve on you know silver spoons or big meps silver spinners as soon as you said that and i did it i first cast you had had one one. yeah Yeah. which was the first for me i'd never caught a she fish before yeah and she fish if you don't know what we're talking about are i think they're the largest species of white fish but they uh kind of nickname them freshwater tarpon they, they uh, yep, they're similar. Their mouth structure is a lot. A, even their body structure, like their tails and yeah, and their scale. You know, they got big scales. Big scales. They they look kind of like a tarpon, and big you know square mouths. They fight really good too. Yeah, a lot different. Like once once you catch a couple while you're catching pike at the same time, as soon as you hook up, you're like it's pike or it's a it's a she fish. You know by the way it's those long thumping you know when they're shaking yeah. their head and the she fish don't you know those pikes seem to come to the surface pretty easy yeah and start splashing like pretty around quickly. yeah it yeah. seems like the she fish in my experience like to stay try to stay deep and even when you release them they'll like you know as soon as they kind of get re- revived straight down they'll just straight down to the bottom yeah and I, and she fish we didn't we didn't keep any this trip we didn't we didn't bring a cooler and ice but uh and kind of a short overnight trip so we didn't really come prepared to cook them but but we will the next yeah <laughs> she fish is my favorite freshwater fish maybe even i think i like it better than halibut yeah yeah right on i'm bringing a cooler with ice when we go back up there to shoot some bear i'm gonna bring back some she fish yeah, my the favorite way I've had it is just chunked up and deep fried like halibut, just beer, right on. beer battered and deep fried. Yeah. 
But yeah, we caught a lot. Oh, so many. I don't know how many pike we caught. I didn't even. Once it got started, I was like, oh, this is my second one or third one or whatever. And then I was like, this is going to be out of control. I can't even keep track of how many. F- I have no idea how many fish I caught. Yeah. I know that I caught so many fish last night when I woke up this morning. My arm was sore. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, where was I going with that? But for, yeah, for a solid hour, hour and a half, it was like every cast. Yeah. Then and we're you're not just, talking about a huge body of water either. No, I mean... It was a fairly small area that we were actually covering where we like were casting and fishing. 30, the mouth of that creek's like 30 yards across, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my dad my dad was up here, too. And uh, so our boat, we had our boats tied off on kind of on either side of the creek and throwing spoons in there. And on the upstream side, the water's pretty high, and it had flooded into these willows and <laughs> there's a couple spots well one that the honey hole oh yeah that little hole in the willows i every time you know for the longest time i just keep throwing my spoon right in there and you just see the swirls and v's oh, coming out of the willows for it it's so cool to see them calling for your lure from so far away and right on the surface it's t- it can be tough not to yank the hook out of their mouth like preemptively oh, yeah. They just hit it so hard, though, those pike yeah. do. It's unreal. They're just ferociously attacking your lure. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, one cool thing. So, Frank's dad makes makes lures. Yeah, so that was, they're obviously not for pike fishing, but. His I, dad, who lives in Vermont, so still. So, I, I figured, put him to the, put him to the pike challenge. And the pink one that had the mackerel squiggles on it. One time, one went after it, but didn't even hit it. Just kind of went by it. Um, And I fished it and fished it and fished it. And I was like, if I put a silver spoon on, I'd have a fish first cast. They obviously had no interest in that thing at all. So I switched the closest thing to any kind of silver. I had a white darter, a smaller one. And I took the treble hook off and left the single hook on the tail. And that still took me, I don't know, 20 casts or something like that. And I had, that one actually had a little more action where they'd, where they were a little more interested. They'd actually go after it, but not hit it. And then finally I had one came right out. I could see him coming. He hit it. I slowed my retrieve down and just kind of started jerking the thing. So it was... It was kind of just jerking around, and it was a floating lure, so it was right on the surface. And finally one hit it, when I set the hook, it broke. I must have had previously nicked the line. I'm using 30-pound braid, that Power Pro, and I must have nicked it or something like that. So when I set the hook, it busted off the whole leader, the lure, everything. So... Was it your next fish or two fish later? It was, yeah, I can't remember. It was a while later. It was half an hour later or so. Half an hour later, Tyler gets a fish on and brings it up to the side of the boat, and the thing's got a four-and-a-half-inch long, inch diameter, wooden plug jammed in its throat, and it's hooked in the lip with a, with a spoon. This just goes to show they're just, they'll eat anything, just keep eating and eating and eating. It literally had its whole throat full of a fishing lure, and it's eating another one. Yeah. That was interesting to get both those unhooked without jabbing myself. Yeah, there's a lot of hooks all of a sudden. 
But your dad, same thing. He caught. He caught one that it did. It didn't have his lure in it. It had Phil's Phil's lure in it in its mouth. So in a matter of uh, two hours, two lures were lost and two lures were got back by catching the same fish. Yeah, and I imagine I imagine some of the pike we caught were the same ones, but there was a lot of fish in there. Yeah. It was easier after some barbs got crimped and you could just kind of yeah. let yeah. a little slack on it and let them have it at the once you get it up to the boat and then you just kind of spit it and yeah, swim I like off. I like using that those single hooks for those things. I mean, when you're talking about like decent sized pike, like you know, we didn't catch. I don't know if we caught any under thirty inches. I would say not. I would say almost every, if not all, fish that we caught were thirty inches or bigger. And. uh and anyway, a fish that big, you know, they can get their mouth around a single hook, and you and you hook them most of the time. They yeah, hit there it was, so hard. yeah. There's not a lot of misses actually. No, and uh, man, it just sometimes those treble hooks, especially if they sw- if they get them down deep, you know, it can be a real pain to get them out. But you can usually get those singles out pretty quick. And I think I because I'd put new single hooks on most of my spoons and i finally yeah, a couple of my spoons i just crimped the barb because it was so just a, a brand new hook and that barb was sharp and it was kind of a little more trouble than i wanted it to be to release them yeah at first you're kind of like oh i gotta get this thing in the boat and i gotta weigh it and i gotta make sure you know i want to make sure i get it then you catch so many you're like yeah a little all right more. starting to get my hands are getting ripped up from grabbing these things and maybe if i can just crimp the barbs and give it a give it a wiggle and let them swim off i don't necessarily have to hold the thing yeah not a bad problem to have no when you're just going for the quick release after out of the boat and after i'd pin after i'd pinched my barb was not too long after that was when i hooked into that she fish and lost him oh yeah yeah and the she fish were all between eight and well, I caught that one this morning that was 12 pounds. That, and that one was probably 40 inches. It was close, it was yeah. A big, you know, a nice she fish. Yeah. You know, and I don't think, I don't know of anywhere else other than like the Kobuck up out of Cottesview where they get as big as there. I mean, they get like 35 pounders in there, just big. I couldn't imagine just that 12 pounder this morning catching that was a good fight, man. That was super cool i couldn't even imagine catching one that weighed 35 pounds yeah so uh yeah so i mean what last night we fished till one o'clock in the morning or so yeah or so i think it was yeah 130 quarter or two or something like that yeah it seemed like after after a while the bite just died down you know and i've heard that like they'll have their peak times and you know, it seemed like it was around 11 o'clock at night where it really kicked off. But, uh, and then slowly quit feeding because, you know, sometimes like during the day you'll be in a slough that you know is full of pike and just get a couple of them. Like today. Yeah. You know, we a were kind of like, you know, they're there because it's the same. We're not fishing the exact same spot that we were last night, but very similar spots. And, we were picking up fish, but just not that every single cast. And it yeah. was the middle of the day, too, you know, we, high noon. And even there, we still caught a lot. Of, we did good today, too. Uh, oh, yeah. And caught, we caught bigger sheep fish this morning than we did last night. Yep. 
But yeah, and it's uh, man, getting my fishing fix. It's been a couple of years since I've I've been catching pike. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, I mean, to think it, I, the last time I caught a pike was probably just right around town somewhere on like on the Chena or something like that when I was fishing for burbot, picking up picking up pike. It seems like I do. I can do real good right when the ice goes out with burbot. Yeah. And then it's like all of a sudden somebody flips a switch and the spots that I'll typically go to and catch burbot, I start picking up pike. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when was, you Well, I went up there when we were trying to get you your first burbot there a couple of years ago. And we went up there, and that's all we could get was pike. And then we came down to try a new spot, and you caught that pike. was I've never seen a pike come out of the Chena that was that big. No. I'm sure it happens, but I just had never never seen one. That was a great big pike. Yeah. How many grayling did it have in it? He its, had three grayling in his stomach. That were like six, you know, 15, 16 inches long. Yeah. <clears throat> what blew my mind, speaking of stuff in fish's stomach, it's always kind of cool to dissect them and see what they're see what they're eating and uh last summer it was before we went sheep hunting buddy might latin last summer there was just voles everywhere kind of like a big mouse but just everywhere and one of my buddies caught was grayling fishing and they kept a couple to eat and cut them open and these like 13 inch grayling would have just packed full of voles that's awesome and so it gave me the, like, well, shoot, I'm going to catch one of my mouse. I had a couple of big mouse flies and had to kind of. I took, took a little doctoring yeah, on, they the, had on the fly. <laughs> and I was still kind of like, yeah, we'll see. And uh, But then that first night, throw them out there. As soon as that thing hit the water and gave it a couple tugs, they were just attacking it. All over it, for sure. And it was... It was tough, like we've talked about. It'd be not, it'd be nice to uh, get a little bit s- smaller vole fly or mouse fly, because the the trouble is those grayling they just don't have very big mouths, and they were having trouble getting it in, getting them hooked. You know, looking when I went in there dealing with those um, jigs the other day um, at one of the sporting goods stores keep, here. Yeah, I keep wanting to say Century, but it's uh, the other place. At any rate. They had a bunch of different, um, not necessarily vole, but a mouse pattern fly. You know, yeah. they had a bunch of different colors as well, colors and sizes. So, I think they they get a pretty good fly selection. That not too bad. We get something that, and there was some there that had smaller hooks as well. Something they could actually get in their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know because some of the you know those voles get pretty big and fat. Like I, I was. I've lost sleep over figuring out how those grayling eat them. Like whether they, because they're so big, do they just get a hold of them and drown them? Just pull them under water and then like work on them to eat them? I, don't, I doubt it. I mean, I bet they're swallowing those things whole. Most fish are not, you know, they're not like chewing pieces off. They just well, grab no, but stuff that, and suck but it like, back. Get it down and I wonder if how hard they have to work at it to get it down their throat. I I assume it's. I don't know. I Obviously, no, they no they idea. don't have, they any, don't problem have any problem doing it. Yeah, it's the same thing. You'd think that a pike that's got one 16 inch grayling in it, like a 30 something inch pike, yeah, would be all set. But no, no, keep going. Yeah, you know, it's like um, they, they don't seem to stop until half of one of them's hanging out of their mouth still. Yeah, and they can't. They don't have room to put it into them. 
That'd be a weird sensation, huh? I have a half-life <laughs> fish sticking out of your mouth yeah. trying to swim. Yeah, jeez. But, yeah, yeah, man, I'm just blown away. It was... And, really, I haven't done any... A ton of pike fishing or any, like, real remote trips, but stuff will spoil you. It definitely will spoil you. That, that was... Uh, I just caught more fish in a couple hours than I'll probably, you know, well, I say, I was about to say that then I'll catch probably for the rest of the summer, but I'm going back. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to happen again. It'll be, in, you know, what'll be interesting to see is how it changes with time. Cause you know, the, the, the rivers are going to go down. Yeah. They're going to, you know, the temperature is going to change in them a little bit. They're going to cl- clear up a little bit. Yeah. And I, and I, I guess I, I don't know enough about it to speak educate you know to speak well on it i was going to say educatedly but that doesn't sound too educatedly (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i I know like you know talking to old timers and stuff and guys that have really fished a lot of spots it's like just sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not you know sometimes you know like that same slough we fished this morning sometimes it may be all little ones in there Oh, and then sometimes it's sometimes all big it may ones. be all big ones, you know. And I, I think those pike generally probably school up with fish that are pretty similar sized, because the vast majority of them were right around that thirty inches or just a little bit over. I'm glad we hit the big end rather yeah. than the small end. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, the vast majority of ones we caught were that size. And another interesting thing is some of these guys will say, oh, you, you know, you always hear, oh, you got to fish through the small ones to get to the big ones. Yeah. And I've heard that whether it's guys talking, you know, stuff like what we're doing. And that was kind of, we, you know, caught quite a few before we started catching the bigger ones. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but guys will say the same thing when you're fishing, maybe like the lower Yukon where it's got, uh, where guys are catching 20 pounders all day and then you know i can even imagine but the but the big ones what they say the big ones are i you know i don't know if they just they're slow they say they're not as aggressive or there's they're slower the little you can't get it to the big ones before the little ones bite it i'm curious on the whole i want to go in and talk to him in fishing game and find out I'd, if I had to bet on it, I'd say that these the bigger ones that we're catching that are really fat are probably females. Yeah. And it's a little bit smaller are probably the males. Um, and I'd also like to know, I have a feeling that they're probably spawning this time of year, but I don't know that, though. Yeah. And I, I'm real curious to find that out. Um, yeah, that they're probably getting ready and they probably go up in these sloughs or something you know yeah it'll be interesting to find out yeah and it yeah i I think they you know they'll go up and i don't know if they spawn in lakes or just those shallow swampy sloughs or what this is all information to come we're gonna find out about all this for sure (laughs) and uh but it seems to be like what they would do is go up and spawn in those marshy right yeah areas but i mean even throughout the season that's the, the place to find them is at the mouths of and even in in like up in these creeks you know i've stuff i've fished before it seemed like you know you can fish the banks all, and the whole bank looks like just pike heaven brush 
Yeah. You know, it like, looks like perfect places for him to lay and wait. But uh, yeah, but it seems like I've always done the best, even off that, you know, that creek where there's a little slough that opens up. It seems like there will usually be some. I'm assuming kind of waiting there for fish to swim in and out. Right. Yeah. But yeah, and it's it can be kind of intimidating if you don't know some of that stuff because you're talking tons of water. Yeah, oh yeah, for and all sure. and all the pike are in just a few little tiny spots. I've had good luck with lake trout in the same the same way. Feeder brooks into lakes where you just pitch a worm, single hook with a worm, and you throw it into the creek that's flown into the lake and. But if they're around, if it's the right lake, the right spot, the right time of year kind of thing, right when the ice goes out, look out. Every time that worm comes out of that creek into the lake, you got a lake trout on. Yeah. And that was something nobody told me. I just thought, you know, after fishing this specific spot a few few times, I thought, you know, oh, worms work all the time for fish, you know. Yeah. It seems like you can't go wrong. Why don't I try that? And, boy, sure enough... I probably could have sold worms to the guys I was fishing with. <laughs> <laughs> Not cheap. Yeah. No, you can't have my worms. I need them. Exactly. Yeah, speaking of which, my dad didn't really bring any bring any pike lures. I sent him. <laughs> I ended up getting our lines, my line tangled on Phil's line. And your quick call, don't throw that in the water. They need They need some lures over there put them on the hook so i put two spoons on one on each of the two of the two of the three treble hook that was on there i put a spoon on and i said i looked at him and i said i'm gonna drop this in the water you get that over there really fast and he almost got a fish he went cranked it right over there and the thing had hit the whole package deal right behind their boat but he did end up um not getting it and not losing yeah. everything. We got to fix deal with squeaking. this squeaking. We just had to cut real quick. We had to solve this squeaking problem. Did we get it? Sounds like it. Yeah. Oh, tote was rubbing up against the back window. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, so Phil, all, <laughs> well, it's a good thing that bike didn't yank those spoons off the hook. <laughs> yeah, we're getting down to a bare minimum on, on gear. I heard multiple times, I'm going... I got to get a bunch of spoons and yeah. leaders and all sort of stuff. Yeah. Luckily, so luckily I was thinking of this and brought, brought extra. Brought extra. <laughs> yeah, I brought plenty of stuff myself to, to to keep me going, but I don't typically, you know. Need to supply think, everybody. Think to, think to supply the whole, the whole party. Yeah. No, that's cool, though. The, everybody got tons of fish and, yeah. We recovered. I think only one lure ended up in in all gone. Yeah, and that was because I don't ca- know what happened. That was a cast off situation, not yeah. a, not a fish fish got it situation. Yeah, one thing nice, by, you know, kind of bouncing all over. But one nice thing I like about those single hooks is they just don't get snagged as easy. It seems like no, to me. And especially in these rivers when you want to get it, if you you know when you want to get it down for those she fish. Yeah, a treble hook. You're picking up leaves and sticks, and you're getting snagged on stuff on the bottom, and you're, yeah, you'd be losing all sort of stuff quickly. Yeah, and one thing that seemed to hold true for me, man, just a silver spoon is pretty freaking hard to beat for pike. 
you know, that obviously I'm sure varies by location and time and whatnot, but... But where we were, it sure worked. I tell you what, I went green, orange. You know what worked, seemed to work real good today for the uh, she fish was black and orange, but... Huh. Sure enough, for the pike, all the different color schemes that I tried, that just straight silver was the one that definitely worked the best. Yeah, and me and Nick, Nick Mookie, would we there for a couple of years. We'd go pike fishing a couple times a years, and a couple times a years, more out. But uh, we go pike fishing a couple times a year, and you know, I try on these trips, kind of in the same area. I tried every lure I had, just out of curiosity, you know, and. The number one producer was a dollar ninety nine silver spoon from Walmart. You can't go wrong. The price is right. Because you, I mean, you talk. <laughs> things aren't cheap. These big pike lures. You know, they're seven bucks a piece. I want to say for the most part. Yeah, a lot of the stuff's not not cheap at all. And uh, and I mean, I I would try everything, crocodiles and daredevils and stuff. But even when you're fishing silver. It seemed like there, that spoon always did better. So we just buy these cheap spoons and put a single hook on there and go to town. But uh, Stockpile the Walmart special? Yeah. But I do think that for this trip, my number one producer was that big silver daredevil. Yeah. That one was the go-to. Yeah. My, yeah. That little silver. I don't know what that thing was that I have. I've had it for years. I got a couple of different sizes and color schemes and those things, and I don't... I have no idea where I even got them. I bought them all at spoon once, though. Spoon or, or the Deadly Dick? No, the spoon. I don't... You know, I tried that Deadly Dick, and I didn't catch... Did I? I did. I caught I caught a pike on a Deadly Dick. But that was the only thing. And that was... It had really... When I was using that, it, it seemed like the bite had pretty much shut off, too. It was really weird. Nobody was really catching anything. Yeah. And you using the silver spoon, not much was going on. Yeah. Um... No, but those little, I don't know, they're almost like triangular, but they're dished. And it's got a oh, yeah, silver foil sticker on the other side of it. That little one, it's not yeah. even that big. That probably produced more fish for me than any other lure that I tried. Yeah. I yeah. wish they would just hammer on those wooden plugs because they're fun to, it's cool to look at them afterwards. You got all, especially with a the pike, they're all toothed up, you know. They yeah. Chew marks on them and stuff because they got some pretty ferocious teeth in their head. Yeah, they do. And nasty gills. I mean, I still get got a little cut up. I I got pretty good at. Think I'm pretty good at gilling them. Yeah, you, know, you just got to make sure you get under that last gill that last gill raker in there because yeah. those things will tear you up just as bad as their teeth do. Yeah, and that's that's what a couple of them was. Is that I didn't quite get under that very last one. Or part of the crew pulls over. You got to stop. And make sure their vehicle still works. Yeah, and uh. Another good one is that, and I kind of, I like them for she fish, is that uh, I didn't have any number five mepses, but I had a big, like, silver meps of, like, the musky killer or something like that, double-bladed sucker. Yeah. And that works pretty good. I uh, I guess the the few times I went for she fish um, off the Yukon down by Tananaw, it seemed like those number five mepses were the ticket. But, uh, I think that that's what that I was talking about that was working good for the she fish. That's a Meps long cast number five. That thing works pretty good. And 
typically you got to crank them a little bit. I've always used them for catching silvers yeah. in the ocean in the past, and just had it in my in my freshwater box. But you have to crank them fairly hard to get the blade to spin. Yeah. Once you once the blade starts to spin, you can slow it down a little bit. But if you slow it down too much, the blade won't spin. And I found that because you're cranking so slow for those she fish. It didn't even matter that the blade wasn't spinning. Yeah. They were still going after it. Yeah, it was that one I was using. It was the same, like, double-bladed, like, huge sucker. And uh, and we just had to, you know, you'd have to give it a good jerk or crank to get the blade spinning. And then uh, you could retrieve it fairly slowly. That stupid thing, it feels like you got a fish on the end of it when you're, you're cranking on when it. When you're cranking it. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that one with the double blades before. That thing's yeah. he- that's heavy duty. Yeah, it is. It's like uh, you kind of got to rework it after every fish because it's a, a wire. Oh, it's through that, the whole that, thing's through wired. Yeah, that wire's yeah. like three inches long, and it, every fish will bend it. So you got to kind of straighten it out so the blades will spin right. But it worked. It's, it's always fun trying trying all sort of different stuff. And I, I guess I had always thought that. Uh, that the spinners were working work better for those she fish because their their mouths aren't as big as a pike but they sure didn't seem to have a problem inhaling those spoons they get a pretty big i mean they got a pretty big mouth any of those spoons that i was throwing any of the lures easily would they could get a hold of i think that just has a lot to do with it being down yeah i mean it seemed like that was a game changer all of a sudden you can go for two different species you know yeah and kind of decide what you want to catch this this cast and that blows my mind too you know like there's all this holes just swarming with pike and then you drop her down there's a whole different pile of big fish i noticed that a lot of the fish were beat up yeah, so some of those she of fish had, had scars. Big scars and, yeah, yeah, and a lot of, like fresh scars too. Yeah, you got to figure that the pike. I guess they that that the pike biting them. It's got to sure, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the she. There's nothing else really in there in that river that'll bite them, and the she fish don't have teeth really. So no, they got nothing going on. But yeah, I, uh, it was all pretty big fish. We didn't catch a single. In those spots, we didn't catch a single little pike. No. Not one. I think because they all got eaten or would get eaten. And that's, I like that first stop. We spot, stopped to uh, top off gas in this little creek that was super high, and the muddy water was pushing back into it. But uh, I was, oh, I'll try a couple casts and caught a, you know, caught a little pike. That was the only but, fish that we caught there, though, right? We really yeah. weren't there for that long, though, either. Yeah. We didn't really fish too much. I casted every spot that we put a bear bait in. I made a couple you of did, casts yeah. at each spot. And then at the mouth of that slough, we slayed fish. But up in there, I didn't. I never got a bite, never had a follow-up, nothing. Yeah, it must just have something to do with there's a lot more food swimming around. At the mouth. At the, at the mouth. Yeah. Yeah, it really would be interesting to learn more about all the different little bait fish and stuff like that, that the things that they're eating and how that all plays into it. I don't know if salmon, some kind of salmon might spawn up in up in some of those spots and it could be, you know, salmon fry and smolt and stuff that's coming out of those or little whitefish or yeah, you know, those silver side minnows. 
Yeah, it could I mean, at one point in time last night, I saw smaller fish on the surface that were looked like they were getting chased by a bigger fish. You know, yeah, like a school of fish that were some of them were jumping out of the water and stuff, but I couldn't tell what they were. Um, and there was some terns flying around, like picking up fish. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, there's definitely some some serious feeding going on because you just sit there and when they were biting hard even you know not casting you just look back way back in the willows you know past where that are in the water where our past where you could of cast, casting was and yeah. they're just swirling and yeah you could hear them like popping and splashing right when we were getting ready to leave last night way yeah. back in there oh we just a couple more casts. <laughs> yeah, between last night and all day today, the couple more casts thing was said a lot of times, and a couple more casts was not even close to what it came to be. Yeah. Oh, that's so much. That's so much fun, though. Oh yeah. Like I just remind. I mean, kind of brings out the kid in me. I was yeah. tell. I was telling these guys last night. Because growing up in Colorado, the fishing fishing just sucks. It does. It's terrible. Sorry if that offends you. If you live in Colorado still, but it's it's terrible. You know, we'd be I'd be I was just fish crazy when I was a kid, and I would be so stoked to go fish all day and just catch you know ten or fifteen little trout. And here it's just big pike cast after cast after cast. <laughs> Yeah, we, I mean, I caught lots of fish. We, My dad took us fishing a lot when, when my brother and I were kids. And we had a brook in the backyard that was full of brook trout. Brown trout, sometimes you'd catch in the spring. My dad's caught some beautiful brown trout in that, in that little brook. But um, me and my brother would be down there all summer catching, you know, four, six-inch brook trout, one right after another yeah. all day long. And we'd go to a couple of lakes and catch lake trout and rainbow trout and landlocked salmon um but i you know to be able to catch a 43 inch fish in fresh water is something i had never done before you know i think the biggest rainbow i caught was probably 24 26 inches or something yeah, like that I, I never caught a rainbow like that when i was a kid i'd be pooping my pants <laughs> we had there's some pretty good spots to fish where i grew up um trout fishing anyway yeah um but then you know i came up here and the whole rainbow trout thing turned into me going and catching some steelhead and that you know what i caught i caught which i you know it's hard to classify that as a freshwater fish i did catch the steelhead in fresh water but they kind of go between salt and fresh water but i did catch a 40 inch steelhead and that's big yeah i was surprised yeah, and were you seeing those those ones there were like real thick or real skinny or they're different. They're a little. They Nick and I were comparing pictures of steelhead that we caught and the fish in Alaska, and he was catching his in Idaho. In I think. Idaho, and they're just totally different looking fish. I mean, they have that rainbow trout look to both of them, but the ones that he was catching there are like a lot beefier, a lot lighter colored. And the ones that I was catching here, and I'm not sure if that has to do with time of year or whatever. Some of these fish had been in fresh water for a while, and they're real colored up that I was catching. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, to look at the pictures on, on his phone and on mine, they almost look like entirely different fish. 
and sorry to put you, put you out so we'll do a little sidebar here what do you got i won't spoil it but all all i'll say is there has been an update to the story of the wounded grizzly oh yeah but we'll uh you know here after we're back in town get have nick come over with and three of us can get get into the whole thing yeah it's cool to run into them yeah we uh we ran into them yesterday morning when we were getting ready to run up run up the river and uh anyway um nick and i've been pike and he's you know every year wants to go pike fishing and even though he says he hates fishing and uh you know, and, I, and I said that last night. And I was like, a lot of people hate fishing. People like catching. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so I had my inReach and, and texted him last night and told him, oh, we got our baits out and we're just slaying the pike and she fish. And he's all, man. And uh, so he, you know, sounded pretty excited about that. And I, I told Frank, and we'll have yet to see. I bet before this podcast goes up, he brings up whether or not we can run up there. <laughs> Let's run up there and go fishing. Yep. Yeah, we'll have to later on this summer get a couple boats rounded up. I got a buddy that I'd love to bring up there and show that that little fishery too. He would have a he would have a great time, and he's got a nice boat that would be perfect to perfect to do that trip do that trip with. So yeah we get a few of us together a couple of boats and yeah go do that again be a lot of fun in yeah. july or something like I that i would be really reluctant to do that on by myself like one boat that's kind of a two boat trip it, really it really is yeah for sure it's always nice when you're going that far in a boat even though you're going upstream and of course sure if you had to you could float back but nah, it's that you know forever. it would take say forever. we were you know, what did I say? Yeah. I mean, we were over 90 miles upstream. Yeah. And you would be, yeah, you'd be talking to the clouds by the time you got back if you're floating that thing. It's just so remote, you know. Yeah, with a little and plastic a, paddle that we have in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the way the... Uh, and the, just the way the rivers let you know, it would take forever yeah. to make it back. Yeah. I mean, people float stuff all the time in canoes, but you can paddle and you can... It's a little easier to direct a canoe than it is a broken down... River boat. River boat. Is a, you end up spinning circles a lot, it seems like. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, so that would be that'd be a lot of fun. We go up there and it's far enough to where, man, you want to go fit. You don't want to go for three days or so to where you can relax i mean yeah it's definitely a few day trip for sure to to enjoy it you know where it's not just grinding out miles in the boat to take a couple of casts and then turn around and grind it out again yeah because this was a grind i mean all day in the boat then set up bear baits then fish till one o'clock in the morning went back set up camp cooked some brats i think it was three yeah, three when I, when I went, went to bed. Yeah. And then we were up again at nine this morning going for it again. Yep. We knew we had to get up at nine so we could fish on our way out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did plenty of that. 
But uh, how many spots did we hit on the way out? Four different spots. To, yeah, to four tried out. Four different spots, and really the first one was the only good one. Yeah, yeah. I think the second one I caught one. I caught a she fish and a pike, and that was it. It was pretty dead. It was. It's kind of. I and I have a little trouble. Once I catch that many fish that quick, if I'm not getting action right away, <laughs> immediately. Like, well, that's yeah, kind of what I was that. talking oh, about lunch. about you know the fishing and maybe where I was intending on going with the fish and be sucking in Colorado when I was a kid is this stuff will spoil you. Oh, being there's, able to catch that many fish that fast, that many big fish that fast. There's yeah. just nothing like it. It's like when I used you know I used to fly fish for grayling a lot and. I still really like it, but the last time I flied fished for grayling was when we went sheep hunting. Yeah, using the using the old mouse. Yeah, and uh, probably be the next time I go fly fishing. Yeah, for grayling, I'll typically get out once or twice in the summer and catch some grayling. I get some pretty sweet little spots that I go to, and pretty much once the water's dropped a little bit and the visibility's better in the water. I got a couple spots that I like to go to, and there's some real hold some really nice fish. Um, God, I'm trying to think of the last time might the, might be the last time that I fished fly fished was for grayling was there on that trip as well. Yeah, I don't think that I fished any more after that well, last fall. And geez, I didn't. I normally get out and ice fish a little bit in the winter too. And this winter, well, two winters ago, you were ice fishing like. Couple, couple every, times a yeah. week, yeah, at least two or three times a week. Um, getting a bunch of bunch of fish, and man, this winter I got the trapping thing going, and I was not no interest in going and <laughs> standing on a frozen lake at all. I just wanted to run my sled and get more traps out and keep fiddling around with that and trying to figure it out. Yeah, and uh, it reminds me of. Oh, there for a few years going down to the lodge on Fognac, fishing in the summer. Man, three or four days of that fishing, and I was burnt out. Like I did not care. Yeah, you're just for good. for two or three years. That was about the only fishing I did. Yeah. When you're you're just when it's when it's hot and you're just yarding up fish after fish after fish. Freezer filling. Yep, but uh. I yeah, want to bring back she fish. I'm bringing a cooler with ice when we go back up there. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, it's super. And and like one time, a buddy of mine had some pretty fresh halibut, and we is when I had that she. I brought a bunch of she fish back from working on this job out in the village, and we just chunked it and deep fried it, both the same. And the she fish was better. Like the she fish was flakier and not as mushy as the halibut was Mm -hmm. obviously that can vary oh yeah big time but uh no it's every time i've made it is just phenomenal actually last time nick and i went pike fishing we caught a couple she fish and brought them back and cooked them up i wouldn't mind having a freezer full of that stuff i wouldn't know i wouldn't either i'd like to bring back enough something vacuum seal and have you know yeah. have some f- actual have some fish kind yeah, of thing because i think we were talking i think it's we'll obviously have to double check before we start keeping them but i think it's you right. can keep five nice it's either five or ten i can't remember 
but I, I we would will, probably only we, need two or three. Yeah, would I mean these fun. are pretty good size. And, yeah. You know they got and they've got a pretty they're thick fish too. Yeah, that's they got one a thing like, like to come off of like them, I'm sure. I think they're overall you know for their length they're thicker than pike. Yeah, yeah. But just so cool, you pull them up and they're you know all silver side and kind of a green back to them. Yeah. It's neat how the as the light went last night, the color of the fish started the fish getting got darker. darker as yeah. the as the light faded. That was I thought that was really yeah. cool. Now that yeah, that kind of makes me wonder, and I guess I hadn't been thinking it at the time. Is 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 can pike does pike skin change color? It must. I mean, it did last night. Those fish were getting darker as the sun yeah. went down. I mean, I know I've like caught pike in different places and had them different coloration but i don't know if if that changes as the conditions the light conditions vary um i know that i've caught lake trout that like had four let's see yeah like four different color schemes going mm-hmm. all out of the exact same lake huh. like totally different looking fish but they're all lake trout yeah I mean, and it seems like normal, you know, other times pike fishing during the day or whatever, you know, if you're pulling pike out of one hole, they're all pretty much the same color. Yeah. You get a little variation, but not like like that. Like, yeah, after after the sun went down and it started getting darker, um, they definitely, we were, the ones we were catching appeared to be pretty, pretty They did, dark. I mean, it was... They were changing for sure. They they have to because it wasn't just that it was getting dark, you know, because it was still plenty light. Yeah. It's just that the sun went down and it was darker. And when the sun was up and shining in the water, they were really light when we first start, got there and first started yeah. catching them. So. Yeah, yeah. that's a be a question to ask or to. Yeah, to research f- here for next time. Well, next I'm, time we talk bike, I'm gonna go in there and find into fishing game and find out. Oh, you know, I'm gonna. I got a bunch of questions that I want to ask. I th- I have a feeling they're going in there to spawn. Well, yeah, but I mean, you can find them. In find there, them in the mouths all, all year, all summer long. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, they. I, I'm sure they do spawn up up those things but i think they hang you know there's there's always a bunch of them it seems like hanging at the mouth because i think that's where the majority of the food swimming around but uh i have heard of guys like you know running way up into where these little sloughs and creeks open up into lakes and you know right at the mouth of the lakes you know and i've heard like in early june or whatever the mouths of those lakes you know where it's all grassy and whatnot going into there that they'll catch big ones in there huh so i don't know let me bring my fly rod back when we go back next time and i'm gonna try and catch one of them great big pike on my fly rod i think that'd be fun do you have a big a heavy fly rod i have a heavy enough fly rod (laughs) yeah yeah that would be fun do you have any pike streamers or anything like that? Oh, I got something that would work. Doctor Schultz always has something <laughs> that'll Doctor work. Doctor has something. Yeah, I, I got something that that'll that should work for them. I think. 
just needs to have a little silver on it, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it seems Some, to come down to. Cut a strip of beer can and tie it on there or something. Yeah, just hook a little, you know, get a fly, a medium-sized fly and cut a little strip of aluminum and put it through the hook so that it's kind of flashing behind. That that's a good call. That would really that would work. I always expect to see a moose down there, and I don't think I ever have. Yeah, I don't think I ever have either. Looks pretty moosey. Yeah. Which we, uh, you know, all that running, we only saw it. We saw one moose yesterday and a moose today. Yeah. Oh, here's another interesting, well, maybe not interesting. But uh, it could, I think it's an interesting it could story. <laughs> I got pretty excited last night. We're running up this creek to go, go find oh. spots to put our bear bait <laughs> out. And I, you know, I'm driving the boat, go up, and I look over, and there's a moose shed laying up on the bank. And it's not very often that I spot something cool before Frank does. <laughs> and I got so excited, like, all I could think to, to say was, I call dibs or something like <laughs> yeah. that. I got dibs. I got dibs. <laughs> before I even pointed it out or said what it was. Yeah. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> He found something. Sure enough, he slowed the boat down, and I looked right over, and I was like, oh, I can't believe I missed that. Yeah, white, <laughs> you know, it's a couple of years old, but not totally chalky no. by any means. Cool, it's a keeper. Yeah. I'm pretty, I was pretty proud of myself for spotting that. I think that's the first moose shed. I've, no, it's not. I found one laying right in my trap line this winter. You told me that. Yeah. There's some other people... Went by on snow machines and went right by a moose antler. It's not huge, but it was obviously easily seen laying in the middle of a snow yeah. machine trail. They went right by it within six feet away and drove right on by. Jeez. Yeah. That reminds me of, uh, it was actually one of the first wolves I put up this year. Um, buddy of mine caught his first wolf too. and He'd been trapping for 10 years or so. But brings the wolf over and he caught it in a snare and the trail he caught it on is kind of a side trail that goes back to this lake, at least from what he explained to me. And so yeah, he was you know something he rode in there and it it had snowed and just something didn't look right with his set. And so sure enough, there was a wolf in it, dead and froze, snow over the top. Well, some guys riding into that lake or something had run over that thing on in snow the, machines. In the trail, yeah. Like he had apparently got caught and just got a dust, you know, enough dusting of snow over him to cover him up. What the? Yeah. <laughs> You'd think a frozen wolf lane in the trail would be quite a speed bump in the in the snow machine trail. You would think. Both people, two people, had think, ridden over yeah. it, or one. I think two. Well, I mean. Speculation. One, two, doesn't even matter. Huh, that's something. Yeah, but of course he said he didn't even see it at first till he really started looking, you know, noticed his set didn't look right or his snare was gone or something like that. Cool. But. He didn't do any damage when they rode over it, did it? A little bit. Um, It's fixable. Broken hair kind of thing? Well, yeah, like I think the skag on the ski. Oh, wow. Put a hole in his hip. Huh. A hole, you know, being that it, that fro- it was froze solid, 
you're yeah. right over there it just scrapes down through the skin so now you got a hole in the skin yeah but uh it was really pretty minor there wasn't other than that there was no damage to it nice black wolf nice that's a good one for the first one huh yeah what's he gonna do with it i think he's just gonna tan it yeah yeah of course that was the first wolf i caught was a black one too was it yeah i was so excited (laughs) i got a gray one and i was so excited (laughs) i think that it doesn't matter what the first one is it's exciting we saw a lot of wolf tracks, a lot of wolf signs. Yeah, we did. This the last and couple of like days. Out on those, I'm sure, you know, like, yeah, we saw some fresh tracks and like riverbanks and the stuff on the gravel bar, I think, was from winter. Oh, yeah. Stuff that. They hunt those. Scat that turns white. Yeah. Yeah. But, man, and the rabbits are up. It's going to be good cat trapping for another couple of years. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's. It's funny too you go through areas and you're like there's like 20 rabbits right here within 100 yards and then you go two miles and there's not you don't see a single one yeah but i've as long as i've been up here this is the, the most rabbits i've seen you that's know, impressive around my house for sure and i don't know if it's fully hit the top end of the cycle yet it's got to be close but it's close but i don't i don't know what i read a little bit this winter that it's not for another year or something like that before it hits the peak. Yeah. I know my dad telling stories when he was a kid, just, re- you know, on some high cycles, just rabbits everywhere. Yeah. And there are rabbits everywhere, but, I mean, like, run and you definitely see a, ro- a lot more roadkill rabbits this yeah. year. I picked one up on the way up here. Yeah, you did. Yeah. There's more massive right now. That was something else that was in that article. Per square mile, there's more weight of rabbit than there is moose. That's impressive. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought that was pretty cool. So if you're really looking to do some eating, you go for the rabbits, not the moose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, rabbits aren't bad, but I would definitely take moose any day. Oh, yeah. But rabbits are good, you know? Yeah. We used to eat rabbit a lot when I was growing up. We raised them and ate them. Do you know if that's true that that... They say that if you, like, you know, survival situation, all you got to eat is rabbits, you have to eat the brains, too, because they don't have any fat, like, enough fat to, like, you'll starve to death eating just rabbits. I, you know, I don't know. I've been told the same thing with caribou, but it seems to me like in any kind of a situation, if you only ate one thing, you're you're just, you're not going to last. Yeah. I don't care what it is, you know? If that's all you were going to eat is, yeah, lettuce from right yeah. now, that's all you had, You're something's going to go drastically wrong on you. So be it rabbit, caribou, moose, lettuce, peaches, who cares? Some, you know? Yeah. You need and a that mix make, in your diet. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, because I think the natives used to, you know, like caribou, and so they eat all kinds of stuff that we consider weird now you know a lot of organs like they got a lot of vitamins from organs i guess yeah yeah livers and all sort of stuff moose head soup you ever had that i have not no no i haven't either i i haven't had occasion to have it and i'm not super excited about it so hey, you never know until you try it right yeah i know could be awesome that's kind of the way I always look at stuff that yeah, people I'm, turn their nose up at. I'm kind of like, well, I'm not, I can't really. Yeah, I'm not saying I wouldn't try well, it. No, exactly. But I'm, I'm always game to, to try something new for sure. 
And Temple keeps a lot of the a lot of the bones, and he'll make you know stock or soups with you know marrow. He sent me some pictures one night of actually like pulling the marrow out and eating it, just the straight marrow. And I don't know, it actually looked good. I you know well, I bet I think, it's awesome. I think that's a thing now eating bone marrow. What is it? It was it a trade show or something. Went out to dinner with some folks, and you know, they're like, oh, you know ordering oh do you guys have you know bone marrow i guess it's like a thing you know they bring the bone split out to you on a plate and you eat the marrow like i didn't uncooked reala- I, no it's cooked oh okay i didn't realize that was a thing oh yeah i think like it, you know a lot of the stuff is utilized especially yeah. up here you know and yeah. situations when you're in remote remote no, areas i, I mean it's, it's like a popular thing like, like at down rest, in the restaurants kind of thing i yeah. got you i see what you're saying Huh. I've never seen... I don't think that I've ever seen marrow on a menu anywhere. Yeah, it was there. I saw it. And it was a pretty nice restaurant, too. Were people, so. Did anybody you were with get it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, a right couple. On. I tried some. It would. It was good. Yeah. But, I mean, it was like a restaurant where I couldn't wear a hat, so... <laughs> so you were out of place? I was very <laughs> out of place. Did they give you a jacket when you showed up? No, they didn't give me a jacket, but they did tell me to take my hat off. Nice. I was just, yeah. That was good. You were like, I was about to. You didn't have to tell me to. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you even know who I am? <laughs> I wear well, hats. <laughs> what What cracks me up is, uh, is any time anyone tries to do, like, do something, hate, find a better way to say it than tries to do something nice in Fairbanks. Like, you see a dude walking around in a suit. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is Fairbanks. You don't, don't, you're, you're, you're pretending. Are you trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes? Yeah. I know it. <laughs> yeah. Fairbanks is not the most glamorous town, but that's okay. I keep it this way. It makes me fit in perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can just wear my Crocs and blue jeans to the store and no one bats an eye. Yeah, man, you're going out of your way if you took your PJs off and <laughs> your slippers, and you actually got Crocs on and a pair of jeans. Yeah, we. Uh, that reminds me, was it? Yeah, it was about a year ago. My wife and I were uh, were flying. we were flying down to the states, and it was. Uh, I think we were on the red eye flight, so late in the evening, Fairbanks Airport, and. We're sitting there, gone through security at the Fairbanks "quote unquote" international airport. Oh yeah, big um, time, big time. And uh, this, my wife like nudges me, "Look at that lady," you know. And it's this lady, like good looking lady, but she had what she had like leather pants, like super tight leather pants, and like just this leather jacket just draped over, like draped over her shoulders, and it was just weird. You know, other places, you know, okay, whatever. But the funny part about it was, like, she said something, you start looking around, and everyone's like, like, what is, who is Everybody's looking. Everybody's wondering, how come you're not wearing your sweatpants? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Fairbanks is a special place. Oh, yeah. It's a good spot. Yeah, it's, but yeah, some people, I don't know, every time I see someone trying to get too, 
At least you're not wearing cardboard shoes. <laughs> no, at least I'm not wearing cardboard shoes. But sometimes you just have to wear cardboard shoes to get by. Sometimes, it, ha- it happens. Sometimes you do. You sent me that picture. By choice. <laughs> cracked up by choice. And I, and then. I've uh, always seen him. He's got shoes on all the time. Yeah. And then this time he just had made his own out of cardboard boxes. That's pretty impressive, really. Yeah. I mean, they were pretty, pretty spiffy looking cardboard shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Not but too bad. You sent me that picture, and then like a week later, I was driving through town, drove drove by, and I'm like, that's him. That's where. <laughs> yeah, there's his house. Yes, sir. Yeah, there's some pretty interesting characters around Fairbanks. And I don't know how we got into. We really went off. We're off far here on a tangent. That but, guy is incredible in my mind. That guy is a survivor. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Some serious grit. There, well, you know, Cause, I he's mean, managed since I've lived here. He's been rolling the same way, and he lives as far as I know, as far as, uh, you know, which I can't say with 100% certainty, but that guy lives outside year-round in yeah. Fairbanks, Alaska. He yeah. is a true survivor. You can throw people like that into about anything, and they're going to make it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's easy, and it may sound like, you know, we're making fun of these people, but it, it's not. It's just trying to take the, <laughs> I don't know how you'd say, appreciate the uniqueness. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, for sure. That's kind of where I was going with it. As by, by, That was a compliment, me being that guy's a survivor, yeah. you know. That's 100% a compliment. Yeah, and... uh Fairbanks, and I guess it seems like lately, I don't know, the past few years, some of their, because they always had like iconic, like the iconic homeless people. Yeah. Around Fairbanks. Like there was a few of them that yeah. everybody knew who they were. Yep. The population's on the rise. You know, there was a lady that, um, that always used to have a life jacket on all the time. Remember her? Mm hmm. Yep, she had a, uh, um, what am I trying to say, a grocery cart and a life jacket on. One of those nice old. The old orange, like, orange like fill, around your neck. Kind of like filled with something. It wasn't, you know, they've changed those out now and they're like more just pieces of foam or Halfway whatever. Halfway between that are in 2018 there. and the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, and there was a guy, the. I don't know. We always called him the Parka Man. It could be eighty degrees. He still had like a full snow gear Parka with the hood up. Was he rocking bunny boots in the summer? I think so. Nice. I always like to see that every once in a while. You see somebody in July still running in bunny boots. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's him and the cardboard shoe guys. You said that that is burlap Jesus. And yeah, as far as I know. Because there was a guy that that was kind of what he was known by because he, he wore a burlap sack over his clothes and like went around telling everybody he was Jesus. Preaching some. And uh, I, as far as I know, that's who that is. But I, you know, I couldn't say 100% that, that that is the case. Guy's yeah. legendary around here. Yeah. What, man, don't, like, what would it... How interesting would it be? I'd say cool, but in some cases, probably be a little scary to like sit down and just hear some of those people's life story. I bet you'd be pretty blown away. I bet so. 
to end up, you know, Fairbanks is kind of an end-of-the-road town, so it collects some end-of-the-road type of folks. But, uh... Collected you and I. Collected me and Frank. <laughs> <laughs> we, are no, we are no better. Um, but, yeah, that'd be crazy. Another guy, like, I, I'm always... Every time I see him, I'm always running around busy doing something. But I'd like to have a cup of coffee with the walking man. I know. I met him. I, wa- I introduced myself to him this yeah. winter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that guy's awesome. He's super cool. I my first question was, what is that huge trailer with a flashing light on top of it? That looks like it's got um, race, like race car slick tires, I don't know what like you'd call them for like indie cars or something on it. You know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah. You've seen him with that thing. Yeah. And then he always has uh, two wiffle balls tied to some string yeah then he's dragging behind him on the ground well he got attacked or something by somebody's dog yeah and it went under this huge deal i think the case is is he shot the dog or something like that and then yeah. people took him to court over it and he ended up not winning the whole deal and his big beef that whole trailer all the stuff that's written on there is all him pissed at the burrow about Animal because I noticed it's like, all about animal control. His pickup truck has a huge sign in the back of it, yeah. custom made sign that's pissed at the animal control people. And I'm trying to think. His name's Fred something. Yeah, I've um, never met. And I I so, walked right up to him and I was like, I see you all summer long on my way to work. We're like right on the same schedule. I p- pass you in the same place. And yeah, introduce myself to him, and I ended up talking to him for like a half an hour. Super cool guy. Yeah. Every, and every once in a while, I'll see him, you know, someone talking to him. Yeah. Because, uh, and I guess backstory, and someone told me he was like a retired carpenter or something like that, but someone told me that he had retired and and just to keep himself going, just started walking. And, yeah, I first he first, as a few years ago, started noticing this guy, and he looks like he's probably in his 70s. It's and, hard uh, to say. I have no yeah, idea. Hard but, to say, yeah. but he... You'd see him walking all over town and basically deduce that he walks a big loop around the entire town of Fairbanks almost every day. Yeah, oh yeah. I think it is every morning that and, he does. Uh, I think that's part of this whole thing is the people got... I, I Don't quote me on this, but I think they got some kind of a restraining order on him and it detoured where he was always walking. He wasn't allowed to go by their house anymore huh. where the dog issue went down. And that was a whole part of the whole thing, too, that he ended up, you know, his whole routine got screwed up because of what happened. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because then, yeah, I noticed, like, dragging the wiffle balls and then pulling that cart. And it's like a professionally made. It's it's, hu- it's The thing's huge. huge. And yeah. it's balanced, so he just easily picks it up and, and off he go you know, can pull it right behind him. But... He had a. It's got. He's got like a flashing yellow light on top, and like professionally made signs that say. I knew it said something about animal control and the leash law because there is a leash law in the borough. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I've always. I just you know, never quite lined up right, but I am gonna stop and talk to him. Do it up. I did it this winter. Yeah. Fred Meyer special. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh. 
one thing I will say about him is I bet that guy has picked up more garbage than the entire town of Fairbanks combined. <laughs> There's a few people, man. There's a lady that you see. She's always got on like farmer's a, loop. a neon shirt yeah. on. She is a go-getter, man. She pick every single time that I'm on farmer's loop. It seems like she's out there picking up trash off the sides of the road and just cleaning it up, making it look nice. And there's... There's an article in the newspaper or online on the Newsminer thing not too long ago. There's a guy that drives an old Datsun or a Nissan or something like that. And he's the same program. He's in his 90s, I think. And he picks up trash all the time as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I always see that guy, you know, walking along, picking up on his walking route, picking up garbage. He's probably one of them guys just got so sick of seeing it. Yeah, exactly there's you know it's mind-blowing how a mattress can come out of the back of somebody's truck and they don't notice that it happened yeah but it seems to happen and that's one one thing every and every and they do clean up town pretty good in the spring yeah there's like it's uh, the weekend that you know you can everybody gets together and chips in and picks yeah the 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 town winners accumulation because i you know it is kind of understandable that but it blows my mind how much junk comes out of people's vehicles yeah you know and in the winter you know it's constantly snowing and when there's any snow on the road like that snow's getting dusted off the road onto whatever's on the side and right after it melts it looks like a it's, it's just a disgusting pig, pig for sure it's definitely when the stuff starts oozing out of the snow banks it's it's mind-blowing to me every year how much garbage ends up on the side of the road as we're driving along, I'm like, there's garbage, there's garbage. Look at all this stuff. Yeah. Somebody needs to come out here in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> maybe we should, maybe we should stop the highway. and start picking <laughs> some stuff up. Yeah, we could adopt this section of highway. It reminds me that you ever saw that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer Every, adopts the highway? Everybody's seen that. <laughs> Um, and actually, this also can relate that back to Alaska. There for a while, there's a section of highway just north of Wasilla that ado- you know, adopted highway. The sign said Cosmo Kramer. Really? Yeah. What is the... There's on... Have you ever noticed the one that's adopted highway on Pegger? No, not Pegger. Van Horn. Is that right? I don't... Yeah. And it's like Rednecks Incorporated or something I haven't like noticed that. That, that, one. that they they've adopted the the. I'm pretty certain it is Van Horn. It's from Pegger. As soon as you turn off Pegger onto Van Horn, yeah. Right, look right there. There's a sign that I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Rednecks Incorporated. Yeah, has adopted that, that section of highway. Yeah. Where's the co- where the Cosmo Kramer section? Is where that was a little ways north of Wasilla, and I don't know if I, I don't know if it's still like that. I actually haven't made that drive and couple three years yeah i haven't been down there but i think at the time, time i had to at the time i had to stop and take a picture of it oh you did huh yeah yeah i got a picture of that the one on van horn some years ago yeah back to fishing the one thing's fair the one thing fairbanks doesn't have is great fishing well yeah i mean it's not I mean, horrible you can I mean if you you're right in to town it. it's not all that you know, fantastic, but you know, when the salmon start coming in, people are down there catching salmon. 
I guess depending on the year, how many what the return is. Yeah. Anyhow. Although I mean, I, they're pretty pretty mushed up <laughs> by the time they get up to Fairbanks. Pretty beat up, yeah. Not something that I'd be eating, but people are into it. They do. Yeah, I think if I think if I was a a passionate fisherman, I'd live down somewhere on closer, the Kenai somewhere or somewhere closer to yeah. the coast. Yeah. And there's some of that stuff I'd love to do, like go fish some of them streams on the Kenai for well, what I'd like if I'm making a trip of it. I've I'd caught like to dollies. go out by Bristol to catch big rainbows and dollies. And I've caught dollies in the Kenai. First time I ever came up here to Alaska, we floated a long section of the Kenai River and caught reds and the first fish. Let's see. The, yeah, the first fish that I ever caught in Alaska was out of a raft in the Kenai River. Huh. And it was a dolly. I've never fished the Kenai or anywhere on the peninsula. That's the only time I ever have. I'm trying to think. I've fished the Nilchik River, Anchor River, Kenai River. The first steelhead I ever caught was in the Nilchik River trying to catch um, king salmon. Yeah, I think there's a lot of... I mean, basically anywhere south of the Alaska Range, there's a lot of good fishing. Oh, for sure. For sure. But then again, of all the fish that I've ever caught, I seem to be... I get more excited catching lake trout, it seems like, than almost anything else. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know what it is. I just love those things. They're so cool. What's the biggest lake trout you caught? (laughs) Not as big as that pike. Maybe (laughs) weighed more, but not, you know, not as... as, um, long um honestly i don't even know maybe one that i caught last summer was could have possibly been in the biggest lake trout that i've ever caught and i can't remember weighing that or i know i didn't take a length on it it was one of those things it was a long fight and the fish was tired and it took me took me like 10 minutes to you know get it revived so it wasn't wanting to lay on its side and get it going again um but that fish yeah i don't know that that fish even ever even came out of the water to tell you the truth that probably is the biggest lake trout that i ever caught though i don't i don't even know 38 40 inches something like that that's a big one yeah it was oh yeah it was a nice fish don't get me wrong um but I, it was one of those things where I wasn't, I can't, I mean, you know, I can't remember if I gave it a quick weigh or not. I don't know, yeah, burbot's just... good. And all the burbot that I've ever caught, I always seem to let go. Yeah. All these years, just catch and release, gone. Everybody's like, oh, I can't believe you don't keep those things and eat them. They're incredible. And I was like, man, I don't know. I just always seem to let them go. It seems like I always have halibut or, you know, salmon or something else in the freezer. And it's like, ah, let's let them go. I don't feel like dealing with them. I kept that one the other day, and I made poor man's lobster, and holy smokes, bourbon are going to be lucky to ever get away from me yeah. again. <laughs> I end up keeping every single one I keep or catch now because of that. So yeah. quick, easy to make, and it tastes so darn good. Yeah, there's a reason they call it poor man's lobster. Yeah. We, uh, we need to get out and try to catch a few more of those. Yeah, for sure, yeah, exactly. I... I would be into that because the the one that I caught, I ate it all. It's gone. That was a quick deal. And that's one thing next time. Well, we, we actually brought stuff to fish for burbot up here, but we were too busy catching pike, and we didn't bring a cooler, so we just decided to turn them all loose because uh, 
you know, you can... And what we talked about up there, too, I think, it would be... I think you'd end up with pike on your on your bait quick. Probably would. I think it would be difficult to... In those particular spots, anyhow. Yeah. You know, and there's a few things you could try, like tossing it out into the muddy water. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I think either way it would be tough because I can smell it. Yeah. When you're fishing with bait. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I would be shocked if there wasn't a bunch of big burbot down there, too. They just don't seem to bite lures. No, I've never... The only thing I've ever caught burbot on is bait. Yeah, and I, I don't know anyone that's not caught them on bait. And, uh... But they're... I mean, they're a predatory fish, though. Like, I know guys that have cut them open and found little dollies and grayling and stuff in them. That was... Yeah, you were saying that earlier, and that's... I guess I don't... I just never really thought about it. What yeah, I mean, you because... Know, just kind of how you them fish for them, scavenger like, fish, yeah. <clears throat> getting dead stuff. But yeah, apparently they'll uh, they'll snap up little fish. I mean, they got they got big head, big mouth. Like you know, just they're cod. Yeah, they're yeah. I mean, they just seem they they're easy to clean. You know, it's easy to get the fillets off them, even if they're not that. You know, I guess the one that I kept was like three pounds or four pounds or something like yeah. that, and. I filleted a lot of lingcod, and I just treated it the same way. And, yeah, you get every lick of meat off those things fairly easily. Yeah, and I think, you know, I've heard most guys will... Yeah, you ring them. Kind of like a catfish, reel them and and use pliers and peel the skin off and then cut the fillets off. Yeah. No, I've I've heard that too, but I just... I just filleted them out and, and then took the skin off the fillets and cut each one in half and... Yeah, that seemed to work out pretty good. Definitely got every every scrap of meat off there easy yeah. enough. I just can't wait to get some she-fish filleted. Yeah. I have a feeling that once we know we have a cooler and can bring some back, we'll be eating them up while we're up there bear hunting. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, just bring some foil and foil and butter and yeah. Yeah. some seasoning and throw them right in the coals. I think I think I think I was saying this, but I think this that sheafish would be awesome smoked. I know a lot of people that um, uh, the spearfish fishery on the Chattanooga. A lot of people go down there, and not you can't spearfish sheafish down there, but the Lee Cisco and the humpback whitefish and stuff. A lot of the people that are going down there getting those are smo- smoking, smoking them. them. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. I've heard that's a pretty common way to eat whitefish yeah is to smoke them and i mean my experience with she fish have a real like long grained flaky meat mm-hmm. anyway and you know i mean pretty comparable to halibut in my opinion and you know like those those black rockfish them bass those we call bass down at a fognac that's that's so far the best smoked fish i've ever had yeah the, uh, and it's a flaky white meat like yeah. that no for sure those are good really good it's funny all the all the fish i tend to go for the rock fish before anything else like i like yellow eyes probably one of my favorite yeah saltwater fish up here i like yellow eye a lot it's just you know another white white meat fish yeah but you can when you can have the opportunity to have halibut lingcod black bass you know China rockfish, quillback, 
yellow eye, all of them sitting out right in front of you, and you can actually try all this stuff in one sitting. Yeah. I go for the, I like the yellow eye. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's, and I don't know if it's just because it's more widely, halibut's more widely available, like on a commercial basis. They're big, too, and people can get, you know, one fish and have a lot of meat. Yeah, but, you know, as far as, like, even lower 48 stuff, like halibut's, like, seems like the primo fish. Yeah, you know, you can go almost anywhere and get end up getting halibut. Yeah. Not unlike tuna. That's the same deal, yeah. you know? It's pretty much, you can go almost anywhere and end up getting a piece of yellowfin or bluefin tuna. Or you can just go to the grocery store and you can get tuna. Yeah. You can. <laughs> That's how I get my tuna, usually. <laughs> ingredients, tuna parts. <laughs> yeah, ingredients, it says no dolphins. No dolphins. No dolphins are in this can. A lot of stuff is longfin albacore, too. Yeah. Which is... It's awesome. I like that stuff. Weren't you saying one of those lures you were using was an albacore lure? The deadly dick is what I that was in my that was in my one of my cases from back in the day fishing for um out al, yeah false albacore. They're fun fish to catch. They're like eight, six, eight, ten pound fish, and we'd fish for them off the beach. You come in in the fall when the water was at its height of you know being super warm and they're just miniature miniature tuna fish basically and you get like a 10 pound mono rod and you're in it man when they grab it you lock into those things and they'll peel off 100 yards of 10 pound test line it's so fast that you can't it's like yeah you don't think that they're ever going to stop probably one of the finest fighting fish i've ever I've ever caught there. That's that stuff's a lot of fun for sure, especially yeah. off the beach. You know, not in a boat or anything yeah. like that. With a big setup, you can downsize your whole set setup and really enjoy fighting the fish. But they're, you know, you can keep those things and eat them. They're really dark meat, and I it was like dog food. I kept one a yeah. long time ago, and they're as far as I'm concerned, they're just a sport fish. You know, they're not they're not for for eating. When you got all sort of other other kinds of fish that you can catch and keep and eat, Alba, false albacore is not the one you want. Yeah. yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, I don't know anything about that fish back there. What's but deadly dick? They, I mean, they work for pike too. Yeah, <laughs> big long silver lure. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it's like a round stock of stainless steel, and they cut it at a super severe angle and it makes like a double flat ended some of them they're not deadly dick it's a different name they use like hex stock and they do the same thing they angle cut each end of it and they swim really good they kind of like spin around flat back and forth and I don't know for a lot of these fish it seems like as long as you got something that's flashy something that's shiny and wiggles around Yeah, I mean shoot like I wouldn't do anything with my spoon when I was just hung it off the back of the boat yeah. Just not, had it not hanging even there. moving, yeah. yeah. Good deal. You can really simplify things. Yeah. What's funny is how sometimes it seems like, I don't know, sometimes those big pike fight really hard. You know, like a really big pike, and sometimes the the little bit smaller ones, but sometimes a little bit smaller ones feel like a big fish. 
initially. There was a couple I hooked up. As soon as I hooked them up, you know, and then get them worked into the boat. It seems like a lot of time you they don't hardly fight at all until you I grab them with that deal to weigh them. Yeah. And then they want to fight once they're hanging yeah. <laughs> in your hand. Yeah, of course, you. I'd probably react about the same way if you drug me in the water. No, <laughs> hold yeah. my head under the water. Yeah, exactly. You can flip around a little bit if I grabbed you by the back of the head and shoved your yeah. head underwater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but man, it, and it, it's just amazing how how tough those pike are. They all the the scars and some of them, and where it looked like something big had bit them. That one she fish you caught yeah. earlier. You're about to let it go, and I was like, look at that. That was all healed up from. Yeah, that was past problems but that was a huge scar in that thing's back yeah you gotta figure what grabbed that thing that's a big fish something big grabbed that thing to put that kind of a yeah massive gash in that fish's back yeah i know one thing i noticed too and i don't know if they're seasonal as well i'd never seen so many of those little lampreys on fish yeah some of those fish had a pile of them yeah like big clusters of them and whatnot Mm mm-hmm yeah, I don't know. I've seen those things get big. We caught one in a small trap in Kodiak that was, I don't know, 16, 17, 18 inches long, something like that. Jeez. Big, yeah. There's this other guy working for Fishing Game at the time. He wanted it, kept it. He called it, he said they got, he was a, uh, could be wrong, I'm pretty certain that he was Japanese, and he called them eight ideals their gills are eight holes or no seven holes and their eye is the leading right in front of all those gill holes huh and he cooked that thing up man he was eating the guts and everything interesting yeah i know uh because we have we have freshwater eels pretty much in all the water systems around here yeah yeah were you telling me that they made great burbot bait? See, yeah, somebody was... T- I was talking a couple weeks ago with somebody about fishing for burbot, and they were like, oh, are you using the eels? And I was like, no, but, I, you know, I've heard that in the past, and apparently you just... You look for a little hole in the in the silt on the banks, yeah. right where the, you know, right where the little, little waves kind of come up, and you just dig right there, and they're down in those holes, and you can get a bunch of them, and put them for bait and apparently they're the best for burbot bait as good as it gets huh yeah my uncles told me about when he was a kid trying to you know going out and digging them up and noyas slew oh right on we'll have to talk to him find out exactly how you get them and yeah what the deal is yeah that's one of many things that and actually like my dad said he saw one and i saw another a one later, he said, you know, oh, it looks like a little snake swimming through the water. I've, you see, know. I've seen them in the China as yeah. well, and I think that, that is what, that's what they are. It's the same thing, but they're just not buried in the silt on the, on the side. Yeah. yeah. And in the, uh, I know, and they've had it on TV episodes and stuff, but in the winter, there's a big run of eels up the Yukon. Really? And Yeah, and I, th- I think they get them for dog food or to smoke them or something i can't remember but a lot of like in it was i think that yukon men show these guys from tan and all were running out there to cut big dip net holes in the ice really and just sit there dipping and dipping and i guess sometimes the 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 run can only last a few minutes 
like in a particular spot where you know water them. I don't know if they come in waves or what. How many are they? And they're, they're getting like just hundred of them or get thousands them, of them. Or? Get them by the net full. Lots of them. And man. you know it was kind of interesting, at least the way they showed it on TV. Who knows how? But they would. And I'm sure they do this so they kind of build up a corral kind of with of with snow to dump them in on the ice, mm-hmm. and then they jam them in five gallon buckets or whatever, and they'd freeze. And haul them back, but interesting. Yeah, like big migrations of eels. Wonder what they're doing with them. They must be. Eat- I'm sure they're eating them, huh? Yeah, I want to say. I can't remember. I'm sure back in the day, of course, you know, like they used chums for dog food, and so, yeah, so I, you know, yeah, I don't know exactly. what they're doing with them. Probably it probably varies. Yeah, but uh, I know I'd saw it. I saw another different TV show a while back about this. Uh, it was back. It was back east, like in New England. Mm-hmm. Some guy had a business where he made a weir in this river to catch oh, I, migrating eels, I and think he smoked that's them in, in Maine. That they do that, and you know, apparently, like his smoked eels were like a hot ticket item, top dollar yeah. situation. Yeah, there's all sort of stuff out there in the in the rivers and lakes and ocean to eat for sure. Yeah, it would be. I'll have to shoot you some questions if I can come up with any more while you're in getting the talk from the bio. Yeah, we'll go. We'll figure it out here and get a whole list of stuff when we go in there. and Or maybe we can get him to join in. Join in. That would be kind of cool. That would be super cool, yeah. Just a lot of informational stuff. That's a really good idea, for sure. Yeah, so hope stay posted. <laughs> Keep you posted on that. Yeah. But anyway, we had a great trip, and uh, there's going to be more. It's going to be an go. even better trip gonna next be, time. It's going to be surf and turf next yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get my first first animal with a bow, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully that's the case. We'll see. Keep practicing all week. and We're going to be optimistic and say you're going to get a couple of them. Yeah, there we go. That's what I like to hear. But, yeah, we will... Uh, keep you posted and hopefully have nick on here to to tell you what what he was up to this weekend it's pretty exciting i think all right everyone thanks for listening and if you uh want to leave any feedback or have questions or comments you can email podcast at tundratalkak.com thank you